All right, welcome everybody to the April edition of Getting Split Ready. Uh, April's edition is brought to you by Keystone Mediation and a great bunch of guests today. Let me introduce our panel. We have Leslie Glazer, Certified Divorce Real Estate Expert, Real Estate Collaboration Specialist for Divorce, which is I think the RCS-D designation, Sellers Representative Specialist, SRS, Luxury Listing Specialist, um, a graduate of the Alumni Institute, which is the CDRA certification group, and just a great realtor. You're with Ad Properties, correct? I am. Awesome. And then we have Megan Kinahan, a lot of certifications as well. Personal trainer, National Academy of Sports Medicine, USA Track and Field Level 1 coach, Roadrunners Club of America, certified distance coach, USA Cycling Level 3 coach, American Sport Education Program Certified Coach, Spinning Cyclist Instructor, wow. and Bill's Body Pump Instructor Certification. You can have great information, I know, on that self-care. <laughs> Carol, Certified Mediator for the Center for Conflict Resolution and Indiana Association of Mediators and one of the founders of oh, Keystone Mediation. So I'm going to lead off right now. Um, Leslie, you and I were talking the other day about when people look at transactional players like you and I, right? I'm mortgage, you're real estate, and they think of us only in that capacity. And you do way more when somebody is working on, uh, when somebody is doing a uh, divorce. Talk a little bit about that. There's a lot of different components, Doug. Um there's a lot of research that needs to go on behind the scenes in terms of what's really going on, taxes, liens, um, loan payoffs, et cetera. But one of the, the uh, issues that I handle a lot is I'll come in when clients are stuck and I can help a mediator, uh, litigator, attorney in the process when clients just can't come to terms and it gets, you know, high conflict, a lot of emotion. Um, and I bring the real estate piece into it and take the emotion out and kind of give them their choices and say, okay, well, here's plan A, here's plan B, and here's plan C. And let's go through this because the reality is X or Y. And typically it just takes an hour or two. And, um, you know, people that have been stuck a, a year kind of go through, wow, yeah, we, we got through this pretty quickly. And, you know, we just can't expect attorneys to be real estate experts or lenders. So, you know, we all need to work together in order to, um, you know, be a team players for our clients. What's, what's some of the, um, the secrets of doing that? Obviously, you know, they look at, you know, again, they say you're there to sell a house, right? Or you're there to list a house. And there's so much more. When I look at your certifications, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot there. So how does, how does your process differ? And, you know, if there's no transaction there, how do you still help the client? A good question. Um, and a lot of times I, I, it's not about listing a house. It's about assessing it. So if, if for instance, if uh, one of the spouses wants to stay in the house, they typically dig in their heels and say, well, I want to stay in. I want to stay in for the kids. I want to stay in for X reasons. I'm like, okay, well, let's see if we can do that. And nine times out of 10, they don't realize that in order to stay there, they need to refinance. 
and also means that the house needs to get through refinancing are there repairs are there major is there major deferred maintenance i mean can it even be refinanced and can someone qualify because they forget half the equity typically is going to be taken out so that's one piece of it. Another piece is, um, you know, getting a payoff letter, which is much different than a bank statement, as you know. And uh, there's a lot of hidden things back there that sometimes they don't realize. So there's a lot of investigation that needs to happen. I had a couple last month that um, everything was already planned out in the decree. And we went to sell and I was new to the case. Um, and there was about a $20,000 Homeowners Association special assessment coming up, which no one looked at the minute. So my job is to dig, 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 dig and make everyone else's jobs easier. Leslie, you know, this isn't a traditional role, I think, that um, realtors or real estate specialists play. What's your biggest challenge in getting people to understand the role that you play? How do you explain it? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an excellent question and I go through it every day. It's, it's the feeling, or um, I should say, people think of real estate agents as salespeople and everything is just salesy, salesy. We want listings, we want buyers. That's not what I want. I want to be a consultant. I am helping the client. So it's, it is difficult to get over that hurdle and understand that um, I, this isn't about me and a commission. This is about your life and you moving forward. And I help you through the process. And it's challenging. It's um, difficult. And it's rewarding because, you know, you've helped people through a transition in their lives. Um, but I, uh, I feel a real um, need to educate the family law community that we are such an important piece of the puzzle. And nine times out of 10, their biggest asset that they're sitting on gets handled at the very end of a transaction where it should be the first thing you're evaluating because one, over those two years, there's led deferred maintenance. And two, whatever evaluation you've done two years ago, or even three months ago is different than it is now. So I think of myself as like the videographer where I'm the video and I see what's happening in the house, the people moving through the process. So if I give you evaluation in November, I can also give you an update in January or in May or, you know, today's market. If you have an appraisal done, which, you know, appraisals serve a wonderful purpose, it's a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. And you have to do another one and then another one. And that's fine, but you just have to know that. Um, so I feel that there's pieces to a puzzle and we've got the finance, the emotional, the legal and the real estate, and we all need to work together. So the burden isn't on the homeowners. We want to take the burden off them and work as a team. So that's kind of my go-to. Now, do you get, do you get paid for that? Do you ever do you ever structure how you work with people, um, you know, sort of in a, in, a, in a different manner? Like what should their expectations be, I guess, if they're working with you? So it, there's no cost to do home evaluations to meet with the client. That's just part of the cost of doing business. If I am brought in as an expert witness in court, there's an hourly fee. 
And if I come into a mediation or, you know, some sort of acting as a settlement advisor, that it, it, there's an hourly fee there for, you know, the preparation of the work and then the time I spend there. But if it's just a, you know, a listing that, you know, turns out she's, she or he stays in the house, there's no charge. Okay. Matt, what do you, what, you're, you're a mediator. Like, how do you, how do you engage other people? I know you and I work together a little bit. I'm bringing real estate focused media. I mean, people can make the mortgage guy, but I'm bringing real estate focused mediation, some other stuff to my practice. How do, how do you bring all that stuff in? You know, just like any other small business, you do a little bit of marketing online. You do a little bit of marketing in publications, word of mouth, um, a lot of, you know, customers' experiences. We've already received quite a few referrals from customers that have already uh, used us in the past, clients that have been happy with the, the process. A lot of people are still not familiar with the mediation process. Um, it is a little bit uh, um, newer for people. They don't know the that there's even other options other than just filing for, you know, getting an attorney, fighting it out in court. I'm going to tell the judge uh, my side and, and um, they don't recognize the costs and the time and the emotional distress and the physical distress, which I think we're going to hear a little bit from Megan um, as well, that goes through it. So this is a better way. Um, I think there's a lot of cost-saving advantages and time-saving advantages when you do have a team and when you do collaborate. Um, for my clients, I always offer a menu of, we can do this together, just the three of us, if we feel like um, we need some outside uh, opinions or expert input, then we can recommend other people like Leslie, like Megan, bring in a team because that team of people you know, there comes a cost with that, but it's still going to be cheaper than fighting it out in court. It's still yeah. going to be cheaper than uh, having your attorneys fight this and everything that comes that's involved with, with going to court. Now, that's a great point. I want to highlight that for a minute is the whole concept of cost, right? Because everybody's strained during a divorce. You know, it, it's, it's an unexpected cost. It can be expensive. And a lot of times... Uh, the, the term Pennywise and pine, Pound Foolish comes to mind, right? Like they they don't hire people in the right capacity. They get free advice from their friends and family um, when there are professionals out there who could save the money. And anyone on the panel would love to hear your thoughts. We've all had a lot of experience in this, but people choosing to not pay a small amount to get the right direction and advice and ending up spending a lot more money. It's, a, it's all about selling it too, because- you have to tell them their options. You have to ask them the right questions. You know, you, you asked, you said about getting advice from friends or family. One of the first questions I would ask would be, do you trust your friends and family? Have they been through this experience before? What kind of information do they know? What kind of education do they have? Are they experts in a field? Because if they're getting advice from- well, experts experts then that's great but if they're just getting advice from their friends or family that have never gone through the process then i ask those kind of questions do you trust this this advice do you feel 100 confident about this fight this advice and if they say yes then that's their choice if they say no then you offer up the other alternatives you say well we can help you by bringing in 
professionals that do know this stuff because it's better to get it done right now than have to fight over it again a year from now or two years from now because you weren't satisfied with the result when it could have been done with the right people giving you the advice that you need. Right. Well, and it's funny, from a cost perspective, I've even thought about trying to find the right information can take hours. And what's your own time worth, right? If you've got a professional and you can find an answer in an hour and a half, but you're going to spend six hours doing it yourself, have you really gained anything? Because everybody's situation is so different and there's information and there's perspective. And, and I think a lot of times people just think about the information. They, they listen to their friends and family and the, the situation for them might have been different. You know, there's just so much about that. And I think, Leslie, you brought a lot of that out in your discussion. From the um, health perspective, if you look at it as, uh, you know, if you go through this whole thing and you're emotionally eating and eating the junk food and, you know, then you're not working out because you're not feeling good about yourself, all that for, let's say, this takes two to three months. Let's So for that whole time, you come out of it, the divorce part is over, the court part is over. And guess what? All of a sudden you've got, you know, you've developed some sort of disease or caused it. Right. it with you know what obviously weight gain and things like that all lead to stress you suddenly have an ulcer that you can't you know that and guess what that's going to cost you tons of money from going to the doctors and the you know and and your health insurance and all that kind of stuff so um it's just like anything else where uh if you take care of it while you're going through that that you're not going to end up with all these extra costs of what you just paid in court fees now you're spending all your days going to the doctors and getting medications and having to deal with all of that well and i think what well, if you get the right team then you have time to work out and all that and actually this is a great point to move on again our show today today is brought to you by keystone mediation this is getting split ready and i actually want to go to you megan next and talk about self-care mm-hmm. and i know um i've actually had conversations with with the other panelists about this kind of stuff too because we see clients who are going through a tough time and you, you've got so many certifications. So you definitely know what you're talking about with nutrition and fitness, but talk a little bit about how this can take a toll on people. And again, anyone on the panel chime in as well as we're working through this question. Well, yeah. So, um, I mean, if you think about it, the, um, when, when you're, the way your body deals with stress, your body doesn't know whether you're getting stress, whether what the stress is coming from. Is it this, your family stress? Is it, you know, divorce stress, stress uh, physical stress? So it takes it all in and, and it can just cause so many different issues uh, like anxiety and depression and uh, just, I mean, basically all diseases come back down <laughs> to almost, you know, stress and poor health habits. So especially during uh, a time of divorce where emotions run so high and things are constantly changing too from day to day. And it's something that you have to think about, uh, you know, constantly through each day. You know, it's not like you wake up one, you know, okay, we're going to get a divorce. It's over by the end of the week. It's going to be this long term thing that's you need to find an outlet for to get rid of that stress and a lot of people, their way to deal with emotions is to overeat or eat more sugary foods and that kind of thing. So it really helps to have a coach or someone there to help you with your nutrition along the way and find those foods that fight the inflammation that is being caused by that stress and, 
and help you find ways to deal with that, um, such as, you know, exercise can be uh, like getting outside, especially now that it's like spring and summer kind of thing. Getting outside is a huge stress reliever, just enjoying nature. And it doesn't have to be something where, you know, you have to, it's an hour a day and you have to spend an hour. It's like, you can take 10 minute breaks from, you know, just work life, do 10 minutes a day or take, it's just the way I work with clients is that I want it to fit your schedule. So I don't want your exercise to be this thing that you dread that you have to do at 6 p.m. every day or something like that. So can we break it up throughout the day to give you those little five minute boosts of endorphins and the things that exercise brings too, like the endorphins and the dopamine and all that kind of stuff that fights that anxiety and stress. I mean, that's why people talk about like the runner's high and getting those extra endorphins. Now, do you have to run to get that? No, we can find any kind of things that you enjoy. Exercise doesn't have to, like a lot of people think it has to be like running or weightlifting. It's no, we find what works with you. Is it just playing with your kids for, you know, to to get your mind off the divorce or to get your mind off of, uh, you know, anything that's going on mediation wise or with the real estate or anything like that just for 10 minutes it doesn't have to be a, a huge thing so um, um, Megan I, I I totally agree with you when I was going through a divorce I had two young boys and I came last I did not take care of myself loved having a glass of wine or two <laughs> and you know you kind of forget to take care of yourself because your your emotions are running high and you're just you know, doing everything else except, and it's such a great point that you really need to take the time for yourself. Well, and I know you, you do ballroom dance, right? I do. Oh, cool. Stuff like that. You know, as you guys are talking, it makes me think about the exercise and the nutrition, not only being a solitary, because I think sometimes people, when you talk about running, it's a solitary thing. Yeah. And the degree that you can, can socialize as well. And, you know, be around other people doing things to, to, to focus on something other than the divorce. So well, that's one of the, my, the big things that I think about with exercise is that it, it like, especially if you take classes or things, it can be a really social activity. And when you're getting a separation or divorce, a lot of people, they kind of become closed off and like stop the social contact or like avoid social contact just because they're so, um, you know, focus on themselves and what's going on in their lives that it's hard to connect. But if you go out to like a fitness class or, or, you know, take, you know, want to meet, have an accountability partner, like a friend to go out for a walk, it just breaks that barrier of that self isolation. Sorry. We should know that word. Right. Exactly. That, um, that divorce often causes. And the other thing is it really helps um, to build your self-esteem. And when you're going through divorce, oftentimes that's like erodes people's confidence in themselves about how they look, about how they feel about like, oh, you know, like I'm a failure because my marriage didn't work out or things like that. And so shattering that confidence can really hurt your long-term health. And then even hurt you while you're trying to go through this divorce and, you know, stand up for yourself if it's contentious. Um, so physical activity is a great way to build like your self-esteem and confidence as you, you know, I don't know, do some, do a push-up on your toes that you've never been able to do or something like that, where it's challenging you and your body and your mind to do something different. And you're like, oh, I can do this. Oh, 
you know, I can't stand up to my, for myself in, you know, such and such, you know, fight about this, that, or the other. And, you know, not that we want you to fight, but you get my idea. Right. right. And then you mentioned um, that you work to fit it in people's schedules. What about times like now? I'm a very schedule driven person. And the fact that, you know, you can't go get that uh, social interaction at the gym or that the schedule is so loose that we don't know what day it is half the time right now because seriously, you don't. <laughs> yeah, because they're all the same. How do how are you adapting or how do people make the changes for themselves necessary in this unique uh, circumstance? Yeah, so a lot of um, my clients, what I what they've been like clients that some clients are fine with what like working out on their own and doing their own thing, but like the ones that do enjoy the fitness classes have been doing things like this live Facebook. There's tons of live Facebook. Um, you know, classes. I haven't done any of my own, but like a lot of the other instructors that I work with uh, have been putting those out. So they'll join those. So they're, they're an actual schedule. It's like, this is the time it's going to be at 10. You have to do that. Or um, just, I've had a few clients where they've gotten together with their friends over Zoom and then they all, they all like start a YouTube workout video or whatever at the same time, or they just have like a printout of like, we're going to do, you know, let's say three sets of 10 push-ups, 10 squats, 10 lunges. So they're doing it together on Zoom. Okay. I mean, like, right as we're talking right now, we could, let's all do jumping jacks. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got so, too much equipment around me, but I'd be that. Right, right you know, like we can, so that's the way to get that interaction if that's what you enjoy. If not, then what I recommend have been having a lot of my clients do is keep, you know, and you've read all these articles that are saying like, keep your work schedule. So even if you're doing it in your pajamas, still get up at the same time. That goes the same for workouts. So if your workday was typically nine to five and you would get up in the morning and work out at seven to, and then just so that you had time to eat breakfast and get ready for work, then I say, keep, keep doing that. I, I know like some, like give yourself a break. If you want to sleep in, let's say two days a week instead of just Sunday or whatever, fine. But keeping that schedule and keeping that routine uh, really helps, you know, structure just helps get you through your day. And then it also just helps you relieve that stress because the biggest thing that I find with exercise is um, a lot of people have that de decision fatigue. So if they don't get it done in the morning or whatever, they or they don't have a plan for the day, then it gets to that point where it's like, oh, I should exercise, but what do I want to do? Do I want to run? Do I want to do some push-ups? Do I want to do? Well, if you plan it out or plan your day, so like you say to yourself, tomorrow at 9 a.m., I'm going to do yoga for 30 minutes. Then when you wake up, it's not like you have to, you don't have to think about it. There's no willpower involved. It's on your schedule. Do it. You know, that's, that's the plan. Just follow through. So I often help clients a lot with um, coming up with that. And then if it does fall through and you did sleep in and you're like, it's 10 a.m. I missed my 9 a.m. workout. Well, here's where work, like setting it up in little, little spurts works wonders. So, okay, I missed my 9 a.m. workout, but I still want to get like 20 minutes in. So five minutes, you can do anything for five minutes. So I'm going to take a break from work, do five minutes. So one minute of push-ups, one minute of lunges, one minute of squats. That's five minutes, whatever. That's done. Back to work. Then two hours later, five minute break. By the end, by, you know, by the end of your work day, you got 20 minutes in during your work without breaking a sweat, but you still got the workout in. So there's so many ways to work it in and, uh, you know, get that, um, 
just that release. And especially like if you're doing virtual mediation or like talking, you know, going through like sitting there on your email and going through all the stuff you have to go through with the divorce, like there's your break. I need to breathe from this, step away, think about what just happened. And, you know, so do a little yeah. exercise or go for a little walk or something like that. So for my other professionals, because I got two mediators here uh, and, and I, uh, Leslie, I know how, how many divorcing clients you work with. Do you guys ever make the recommendation to people to come up with a fitness plan? Or if you see that they're having a tough time, how do you make that recommendation? Because the hard part is, and this is no secret, Americans are pretty unhealthy, right? So people are not healthy during the best of times. <laughs> how do you get them to be healthier during some of the hardest time of their life? So, uh, you know, either one of my mediators or my realtor there. I mean, the one thing that Mariah and I do is we always, when we meet with clients <clears throat> for our initial session, we always talk about the team of support that you're going to need for this process. And part of that is physical um, health and part of that is mental health. So we always recommend that each of our clients have a therapist that they can talk to because they're going to need it through the process. And we tell each of them that they need to get some sort of physical exercise and we can put them in touch with someone who's trained for um, doing exercise regimens when they're going through a divorce, um, you know, things like that. So we always talk about in advance, like in our very first session, um, that it's very important that your mental well-being is taken care of and that your physical well-being is taken care of. But ultimately, it's their choice. Um, I may revisit it at a later session if I notice that stress is, stress is very high. I may, I may say just out of curiosity, how are you doing with establishing your teams? Are you meeting with your counselor? Are you meeting with your trainer? Um, what are you doing to help keep the stress low? Are you having three glasses of wine a night? If you are, how's that working for you? You know, <laughs> so I ask a lot of questions. Of course, about, yeah. I, yeah, I think diet is so important. I, I just can't emphasize that. Like I often tell people like I'm going to put myself out of a job saying that it's 80% like with weight loss, with anything, it's like 80% diet, 20% exercise and diet, it, especially during emotional times, um, like a divorce is just people just go for those comfort foods. And it's like, well, I, you know, I'm going through this. So I have a right to eat five bags of Doritos and Twinkies and this, that, and the other. And, but at the same time, it's like, that is the worst thing you can do when you're under that amount of stress, because it just, it's just adds on and on. And, um, I, you know, I, a lot of times with diet, I, I talk about like moderation. Like, I don't want you to be like, oh, when I'm going through a divorce, I'm suddenly going to go paleo or whole 30 and not, you know, do have any comfort foods at all. But like, if you can work with someone to really get that moderation. So have a piece of square of chocolate at the end of the day, fine. But Only dark chocolate, right though? Right, well, yes. <laughs> but not, don't eat five Snickers bars, you know? Right. To have somebody, and it's more of, um, I find a, it's really a good, uh, to have more of a, like an accountability thing. So for a lot of my clients, I have them like log their meals and stuff like that on my fitness pal. But like, like, are you really going to, when you're under that stressful situation, do you want to sit there and type out like what you ate every day? No. So what if you just snap a picture and send me the meal you had or something just to give you that pause to think about what you're doing before you do it. And the other thing is, um, you know, with 
especially when kids are in the situation, you, they're watching you. So if they see you dealing with your emotions from the divorce by getting gallons of ice cream for everybody and let's go to McDonald's, then that's how they're going to deal with future emotional stress too. And you don't want that, you know, you don't want to set that precedent rather um, always, you know, you know, to uh, be eating healthy during this time or anything, or if they see mom crying or dead, like upset about something and they're not going to that, you know, terrible food or what uh, junk food and that kind of thing, then that's going to set a good example for them too and help your own health and stress. So. Great points. And, um, you know, I think we're about divorce and, you know, people getting ready for and going through divorce and sometimes preventing divorce. But I think a lot of what you said also applies to what people are dealing with right now. So great information. We're going to move on now. And, you know, it's funny, I feel like the, the, the stepbrothers were like, now you're going to interview me. Um, but there's been a ton in the news lately about mortgages. And I'm so glad I got a realtor on here. And I'm so glad I've got people who deal with the finances, right? Because there's a crisis management type strategy of dealing with a divorce and nothing's changed. The, the volume of stuff that people are dealing with has changed, but the options haven't. So I wanted to move the discussion over to what do you do with your home when you're in a crisis situation, right? It could be divorce. That's kind of what we're about. But, and, and a lot of people now going through the COVID thing are dealing with what a lot of our clients deal with on a day-to-day -day basis where all of a sudden they've got less money, they're paying a lot of professionals and they can't make their mortgage payment. So I wanted to kind of open the conversation a little bit about that and just chat a little bit about what people can do when they find themselves in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing like what Megan touched on is, is how important it is to be mindful of your uh, surroundings, of the other people in the home, the amount of stress that we've already talked about that you go through in a divorce, imagine being stuck in the same house as the person that you're going through this process and not able to leave right now. It's already extremely difficult with the amounts of stress, the amount of pressure that is put on you. And right now you're really stuck. Like you can't even leave if you wanted to. Um, so a lot of, when it comes to like cohabitating right now while you're going through this process, has actually been a lot of what my online meetings have, have been over the last two to three weeks is I'm not even helping them with their divorce right now. I'm helping them with how to deal with conflict in their homes, how to cohabitate, how to set up, like, like Megan said, the importance of a schedule. Um, one of the ones I just did last week, I was like, okay, dad, um, you know, what are your strengths? What do you like to do? What do you normally do? And he usually does the housework and he usually mows the grass and mom usually does the cooking, but mom's getting sick of doing it every day. So literally like having them talk about their strengths, their weaknesses, where they're comfortable. So I literally typed up an agreement for dad to cook two meals a week. Dad's going to help with homework one day a week to give mom a break. And even set times like a one hour break for dad to get away, to go to the basement, to go outside and a one hour break for mom to get away, to go to the basement, go outside. And I literally help them set up this schedule and I put it in the form of an agreement. It's not a legal binding document, but when somebody has something that they've agreed to on paper and it's signed by both of them, 
And then I told them I'm going to check out, check, check back in with them this week. I'm going to hold them accountable to that. Uh-huh. <laughs> accountability. That's part of the problem. I'm sure like both Megan and Leslie are, are familiar with the accountability and checking back in and, Oh yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You know, and then they don't. And right, right. now n- the courts aren't open. So you can't proceed with your divorce if you wanted to. A lot of people are home and not working, and there's this just extra layer of stress. So being able to help people right now with just a weekly schedule, how to deal with stress, how to do the exercise in increments, like Megan said, how to find time for yourself. You know, if it means an hour bath with your iPad, then that's what it means, and a glass of wine. And that's all I had this thought. When Doug was talking earlier, he said hiring the right professionals in the right capacity, which I think is really important, but also hiring the right professionals or working with the right professionals, maybe in the right order, makes a lot of sense too, because particularly right now with everything going on, it may make more sense to talk to Doug or to talk to Leslie, even before you necessarily go down the road of an attorney, because things are kind of frozen in time right now with not being able to leave the house. So having that consultation and that information about the house early makes sense. So if I'm in the beginning of the process, um, what would I really want to know starting out, uh, Doug or Leslie or anyone? If I haven't gone to the Lillard yet, but I have my biggest asset is my house, which is most people. I don't know if I can afford to live there or if my husband should leave. What do I do? What do I need to know? So besides all of the, you know, the obvious comps and all that stuff. What I've been doing the last two weeks is people are walking me through the home virtually on Zoom or FaceTime. And we're going through and seeing what things can be easily repaired or fixed mm-hmm. that they can do. And I, I've been sending little YouTube videos on how to repair things, make sure you change your filters for the spring. You know, I mean, just anything that. you can do spring maintenance wise. And I, I uh, just met with an inspector and we did a little uh, Zoom meeting and tips you can do in the spring. The other thing I do is when we walk through, I say, okay, well, if I give them A, B, and C, and I say, well, if you want to, this is what buyers are looking for. Change your hardware and your kitchen cabinets, you know, change some lighting. Get things ready to sell. Um, things so like one that. thing that people can do right now is drive. So Leslie, how important is curb appeal right now? Huge. It is. No, it is huge because everything is virtual right now. So, um, you know, we're just starting to get in the spring with gardening and such, but there's a lot we can do. I told people to clean their windows and power wash and get the leaves off their uh, downspouts. <laughs> you know, and it's even if they don't sell, it's just a good thing to do. And it gets people, I give them a list. They love their lists Mm. and then check them off. And I give each person a project, even the kids and they love it. I'm like, this is your project that this week, and this is what you need to do. And everyone has their, their little chores. (laughs) I do have one question um, specifically, Doug, that I want to make sure you get to. I've had a lot of questions about um, forbearance. Yeah. I've had clients ask what it is, first of all, but also if they put their loan in forbearance, how does that impact them in three or six or nine months when they go to sell the home or refinance or buy another home? Well, and it's a great question. And I know it really dovetails on what Leslie was talking about is people usually think buy or sell a property or or refinance. And we might be moving into a situation where 
they can't refinance because guidelines are getting extremely tight. Um, at least one major lender raised the minimum to 700 for the FICO. If you're going through a divorce, you're getting your credit cards up, you're now in a situation where you're probably under 700. Now that doesn't mean there aren't options, but that's the way the wind is blowing. And a lot of the realtors I've been talking to says, expect a little bit of a correction as there's less buyers and things like that. So forbearance and, and other options have always been around. I had helped a lot of clients with those even before COVID. And that's the important thing to remember. This wasn't invented with the coronavirus. It was always something where you have to realize genuinely the bank does not want to take your home. When you're going through it, it might feel like they do, but they don't. And there's a lot of options to work through it. Forbearance is one of the things that's getting a huge amount in the news right now. And I would encourage anybody listening or listening to the re replay to go to our uh, blog because I've written uh, extensively about it. Because as with all the other stuff we've been talking about, friends and family are the wrong place to get information unless one of your friends or family members are a mortgage banker. Because people are getting information that, oh, it's, there's no, you know, it's forgiveness, that it's automatic deferment. And what it means is you are getting a break. But at the end of that break, you are going to have to make a payment. In a divorce setting, it might mean we're going through a divorce and times are tight right now until we figure out both households and we need six months to figure it out. A bank will probably work with you on that. But then at the end, you need to realize that you would have a situation where you might have a, a repayment plan. Right now, what they're talking about coming out of COVID is a six-month repayment plan would be typical. I've done some research talking to different lenders, talking to different servicers. It may be 12 months. It depends on the servicer and it depends on who holds a loan. There may be options for deferment on the back end where they take what you didn't pay for three months and you're paying it on the back end. And that might be an option, but there's not a lot of good information. I'm sorry, go ahead. When they do that, do they freeze the, like, do they still charge you interest? Well, the interest builds up and then that's added to the balance. But, that is. you know, okay. the thing I tell people and a lot of what I wrote in the blog post is if you are just running about putting food on the table, you shouldn't be really worried about where your loan balance is going to be and what your credit score is going to be afterward. Like one of the options might be modification where they lower your rate or they change the terms and you're going to have to qualify for that potentially. And it could have an impact on your credit score. There's no good information right now coming out of coronavirus uh, and COVID-19 situation, whether or not that's going to affect the credit score. But people have to be ready for it. But it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Got to eat got to have shelter, your credit score is pretty low on that on that thing. But it takes thinking, right? It takes working with a realtor and saying, can I sell the house? How long is it going to take to sell the house? That should be integrated into whatever plan that you've got. Working with both of your mediators and figuring out, okay, how long is this going to take? You may need documentation from your mediators to go talk to a servicer when it's not COVID-19. Um, because right now, you don't even have to qualify for it. You can call up the bank and say, I want forbearance for three months. They're just going to give it to you because that's what the government said they have to do. If you're in a divorce situation, they might require you to show need. Well, showing need could be getting something from the other professionals, documenting how long it's going to take, whether it's an amicable divorce. All these things can play in to how you deal with the servicers. And the big thing to walk away with is, again, find out the information save your documentation, come up with a plan. So it took a lot of time. I feel bad with all the guests there, but um, it's a really important thing to think about.
But I think it goes back to getting all the information. Because um, I know you said briefly that they may expect a repayment plan. I don't think people are realizing that. I think people are thinking forbearance automatically taxed on the end. Right. If your mortgage is $2,000 a month and then you go into a six-month repayment plan, then you're going to be paying $3,000 a month for those six months that you start right back up. And I don't know that a lot of people can afford that. No, and whether they, they, can, they can't, they have to know the terms of that agreement before they agree to it. Right. Well, Especially that's when they, you know, out of a job, you know, to automatically in six months have to pay more than they were paying. Right. It's right. almost but impossible. Remember, coming out of this is it's options in divorce, right? And that's where, that's why I run my practice the way I do is um, I don't think about the transaction, right? It could, a refinance for many mortgage bankers is the only way they get paid. There's other situations where advice is of value to people. And I know, you know, Leslie, you and I talked about that. That's the world you live in, Megan. And, and, and you know, it's, it's about getting those right answers because a mistake can cost you a ton of money. And that's, I think what, what this segment, what people have to walk away from this is, is find the right people, find the right credentialed professionals and get the right advice to make the right decisions. And you can do that efficiently and economically, but don't do it on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I feel like it's like, that's like with anything, like even if like, let's do the simplest example. Like if you're buying a pair of shoes or whatever, and you go on Amazon, if you buy the $5 pair of shoes, guess what? They're going to wear out in a week and you're going to end up keeping buying that $5 pair of shoes that, whereas if you put a little extra money into the quality pair, that's maybe 50 bucks, but it'll last you for a year and a half, then, you know, that's, that's the better choice. It just, you know, you have to think big picture with all prioritization really hard to do but if you think think a little bit further down the line and a little bit long term then you're going to make the better investment Mm -hmm. and another thing too is is i always like to tell clients is i'm not a lawyer i'm not a realtor i can't give you advice in that area that is some i can point you in the right direction i can have you talk to people that do know this information but i can't give that information to you um that's not where my strength lies that would be like a, it's like if i stayed at a holiday and express last night but I, you know that doesn't make me an expert in this field <laughs> um so but a lot of times people are so overwhelmed with the process they don't even know where to turn right it kind of bothers me because some of my clients who are attorneys but are also mediators they tend to get a little more of as an ad um in an advisory role where, well, this is what the judge would say, or this is what a realtor would do. I would caution people, and and I would tell people when you're selecting a team, when you're selecting a mediator, if someone starts telling you those kind of things, that might not be the mediator for you. The mediator for you is going to say, I am not a lawyer. I am not a realtor, but I can put you in the right direction. I can. They're not trying to be concept. all things to exactly. everyone. <laughs> because nobody is. that. Nobody that I know is, is, is right. the, the one place stop. The, the, I'm not giving stop. you mortgage advice. I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Right. Come stay in our lane. That's yeah, exactly. Well, and and it's picking lane. the right team. It, yeah. Right. The great dialogue. And I want to, I want to go to our last segment. Again, you're listening to Getting Split Ready and Brought to you this week by, or this month by Keystone Mediation. Um, but I want to talk a little bit, we, we touched on virtual stuff. And I think it's really cool because, you know, it wasn't cool when I when I had to borrow my son's AV equipment because you can't buy anything <laughs> online to be able to do a podcast. Yeah. 
But the world's going virtual, and I wanted everybody to talk a little bit about their lanes and how the world is changing from a virtual perspective. Well, I have been um, doing virtual open houses, virtual tours, and uh, for the most part, I would say buyers are pretty okay looking at videos of me walking through the home. Um, there's the sellers out there right now that don't want anyone in the house. We obviously are taking every precaution and using gloves and masks and hand sanitizer and, you know, having them turn on the lights and not touch anything. But uh, I would say a good 50, 60% at this point are all virtual. And I've had people purchase homes virtually. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. Wow, I could do a walkthrough virtually, but actually buy it, that's- Yeah, not- yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't know if I'd buy it. Especially if you are, you know, you it's two situations. If someone is relocating here when the relocation hasn't froze, yeah, um, or the rent, you know, and the lease is up. But otherwise I tell people, please just stay put. <laughs> There's no rush. Yeah. Well, for, for me, I've actually been doing online coaching for ooh, like eight years now. Like, so I do a lot of run coaching, that I do is online. And then I've also done the, the accountability um, app that I work with. The, it's called coach.me and I uh, do nutrition and fitness coaching on there. Um, it's, and it's all online. And especially with nutrition, it's really easy because like I said, with um, clients like logging, either they log on my fitness pal and then I can just check their diary daily and be like, okay, I see you had this, that, and the other for breakfast. Let's get some vegetables in at lunch and add this and whatever, or people just sending me pictures of the meals. It's not like, you know, like I don't need to be one-on-one talking to you in person to um, see what you're eating. Or Great whatever. accountability. Yeah. It's yeah. more about that. And then as, um, with fitness, some people, they really do want someone right there to tell them, you know, your form and the, and and they won't do it themselves. But then there are people that like do enjoy working out. And so they'll do it themselves. They just want to know what exercises and what, um, what like the schedule, like the way they should format it uh, by themselves would most benefit them. So those people are especially open and really good for uh, just online coaching. And then obviously with COVID, all my <laughs> personal training now is just people it's cool though that it's still going on it's really cool yeah and it's you know another thing is it's not like you can't like a lot of people are worried if they're just starting out with like something like strength training or that they're going to do it wrong and then get hurt and and that is a big issue but it's like anything like like what we're doing right now like if i tell you an exercise and you're unsure how to do it we can jump online real quick. You do it and I can watch you do it and say, here, this is what you're doing wrong. Like, you know, like you're rounding your shoulders or whatever. And um, then they can fix that and see it and feel it and then do it themselves. So it's really flexible being uh, either doing one, just it's really personal preference. Like, and especially with um, busy schedules, uh, it really helps to be able to do online coaching because then it's not like you have to set out that hour to get to the gym or get to my house or me to go to your house and have everything set up. And, you know, it takes longer that way with virtual coaching. It just, you can do so many different things. So I think it's, I do think this is going to change a lot of businesses and how they move forward um, because of the convenience of it. I mean, and Matt, you can tell me if you agree. I prefer to do mediations face-to-face but this is a close second. Like I can't do them over the phone. I need to see people. There needs to be um, 
facial expressions, facial expressions and the natural ebb and flow of communication. Cause this is tough stuff. Um, but it's something that we were using prior to COVID even for when distance was an issue or in cases where one person doesn't feel safe around the other, this is a good way to, to kind of meet in the middle. Um, but I can see this being more popular going forward, particularly with the younger generations that are really used to doing things online. Those damn kids. Is that what you're saying? The one good thing about (laughs) all this is that, you know, everybody's using these kind of formats to meet right now. And as human beings, we're always kind of afraid of what we don't know. And so we don't even try. But this is forcing people to try out online meetings for the first time. It's getting people to get more familiar with the interface, with the software. What buttons do I push? They're getting over their fear and anxiety of, trying to do this in a virtual way and they're starting to recognize hey this is pretty easy like i don't have an excuse not to do this now like the training or the or going through the house virtually or or the mediations even um the nice thing about zoom is i can share my screen i can type out documents with both clients right there and if i have one client say i don't like the way that's worded I can get their feedback. They can see me typing the documents. I can make it and craft it exactly how they are both comfortable with it. So I'm finding that it is a very useful tool, especially, I agree with Mariah. I do like to meet people face to face, but this is a very useful tool. People are becoming more familiar with it. Um, The biggest challenge for me right now is the courts being closed. It's difficult. I'm, I'm finalizing a couple of divorces. I'm helping couples get to that final step. And then once the courts open back up, they're going to be able to finalize it right away. But the one thing that I'm finding out, especially with the ones that have just filed or re- or filed right before the courts closed, is, you know, before the COVID-19, I was able to plan more long term. And since the COVID-19, we're doing, I'm shifting my mediations to be a lot more temporary. What does this look like in one month? What does this look like in two months? Let's check back in in two months to see if this parenting plan is working because the future is a lot more nebulous right now. We're not sure where we're going to be living in two months. If I'm going to still have this house or if I have to sell it or if I have to go rent an apartment, these are all big question marks right now. So it's impossible to create a permanent plan, a structured plan, when someone doesn't even know where they're gonna be in two months. So I am finding that is my biggest challenge right now is shifting things more to a temporary plan. Let's talk, let's let's check back in in a month and see how this is working. And then if it's working there, let's extend it for another month or two and then check back in. It's difficult to have any kind of permanent thing right now just because of the circumstances that we're in. Do you charge, do you guys charge less? Um... Doing virtual versus one-on-one, or are you same same rate no matter what you do? Yeah, I'm, we're doing the same rate just because it doesn't diminish the amount of work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have a physical office that we are still paying for, so we have office costs. So even though mm-hmm. I'm doing it virtually, I still have the same costs that I do normally as a normal business owner. Right even though I'm not physically there, it's still the same amount of paperwork that I'm typing. It's still the amount of time that I'm talking with clients. So really in our world anyway, it hasn't really affected the amount of work I do. If I haven't I built for travel a, lately. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I charge less. Like if, okay. you, 
if it's an easy email or if it's an easy phone call or something oh, like that, yeah. I'm not billing them for that. Right, yeah. but, but they, they, might, they might not pay for your travel, as an example. Exactly. Um, yeah. They're not paying for me to go to a sport. They're not paying for me. They might not have to get a babysitter. Like they're, they're, Exactly. That's saving a lot of money, too. I And also flexibility of hours. I just met with a couple from... Uh, 8.45 p.m. until almost 10.30 because they have small kids. Right. So the only time they can meet is after they go to bed. So I'm being more flexible with my hours where maybe in the office, I would not yeah, have met people that right. late. No. You know? okay. so, yeah. I do think, too, that people are giving a little bit more gravitas to the agreements they're coming up with because the courts aren't open. So they're having to live as if. You know, once they come to the agreement, it may be a month, it may be two months, it may be six months before it can actually get looked at by a judge. So that agreement is becoming binding more when they agree on it necessarily than when the courts pass it through, which was always how it was prior. Like it wasn't fully binding until the courts mm -hmm. um, looked at it. But people are having to act as if because they don't know when the courts are going to see it, which also gives people a good trial run. You know, if they realize after two months or three months that it's not working as well as they thought they did. We can go back to the drawing board. But we've this also been mediating. Back, this goes back to what Doug said about having the team, like Leslie, keeping people accountable and giving them their tasks of changing things in their home. You know, Megan, giving them tasks of do it in increments, try to get this done. But then also as the professional that we are, checking back in with them, holding them accountable, like with what Mariah just said, holding them accountable for even their agreement. Like, yeah, it's not binding in court right now, but you signed a piece of paper, you agreed to this, and now it's written down. And I mean, even like what I had said earlier about helping the family live together right now, I made them sign a document because yeah, nobody's going to hold them. They're not in violation of any kind of agreement, but they are in violation of their word. And that means something to people. I have a question for Leslie. Um, I've seen more and more virtual stuff, right? Like it's more and more virtual open houses. Uh, I've heard of realtors even going visiting houses and and walking through and filming it and commenting and things. Yes. How much do you think that that's going to change the industry going forward? And what and a follow-on question, and I always get in trouble when I follow questions. Do you think it will change for situations with divorcing couples when there's friction and people you can't have buyers in the home the same way because one or the other is trying to sabotage? <laughs> that happens. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Especially yes. when one party doesn't want the divorce and the other party does. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Everyone usually, wants to sell the house and the other doesn't. Yeah. I'm usually, I usually am the second one in after the, the previous listing agent wasn't able to sell it uh, because one of the spouses maybe, you know, didn't want to sell and no one was working as neutral like I do. Uh, I think people really need to see a house in person. It's something that over years of doing real estate, even when I have people relocating with a simple, you know, rental for three months, I get kind of like motherly, <laughs> like, don't you want to look at it? Um, I, I think that people will um, probably be a little weary of going to open houses with a lot of people right away. I think the appointments will be fine. Sellers will be weary. How many people are coming? What I think will change is I now I'm pre-approving buyers before I go in, yeah. where 
when it's not my client and it's another agent, I don't ask them necessarily every channel. They might just have been starting their search. Of course, I'm going to let them see the property. At this point, they have to be pre-approved. The other piece that's changed, which I'm curious if it will, you know, depending on Doug, you'd be able to have an answer to this, but uh, getting a pre-approval for a down payment. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's changed. I'm telling everybody right now, if you've been pre-approved, go back over it because every day there are less programs and they'll come back, but um, there are less and less programs available and they've become tighter. So the, 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 um, the assumptions that you had a week ago could be different. And until you have an actual loan in the system, you know, you don't have a loan in the system until it's been underwritten and approved. Um, there are actually loans right now and it's kind of off topic, but a day before closing, they're calling to verify employment. Yeah. Somebody might be laid off yeah. that those deals aren't closing. Yeah. So, um, you know, it just speaks to, to people being on their toes. But so we have um, a COVID-19 addendum now, which yeah. states that uh, a buyer can um, be out of a contract, get out if there are job changes or, you know, they're ill. Yep. And that can happen a day before closing. It can yep. happen the day of closing. I think, so I think it's safe to say it's a different world and we're going to we're going to close out. I want to go around the horn because I think you guys gave such great you information. You just made me miss sports. That. What's that? <laughs> you just made me miss sports. Yeah. Around the horn. There you go. Whammy. Um, I want to go around the horn and make sure that our listeners, um, you know, listening right now and later, uh, know how to get hold of you all because you're great professionals. All of you are in our directory, which is fantastic. Uh, we're, we're really, really um, blessed to have you all in our directory. You are, you know, you're very indicative of the professionals we have. So Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, I know they can do it at Keystone Mediation or Split Ready. <laughs> yeah. you know, like All you guys are split ready. They're, this is terrible because it's reversed. Um, <laughs> how can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to our website at keystonemediation.com. Uh, we're also, you can find us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, we're answering, you know, the phones and answering emails uh, as we go. You know, we still have lives and we're trying to homeschool and things like that. So we're uh, trying to answer things as quickly as possible. Um, but for the most part, uh, not a lot has changed with the exception that we have slowed down quite a bit uh, when it comes to business. So get a hold of us, even if it's not about a divorce, even if you're struggling in your home right now on how to live with one another, on who's doing what tasks. We haven't been stuck in our home with our loved ones for this kind of time in a very long time and people are finding it's a lot more difficult and that's okay. Like that's right. the other thing is people feel like they're on this island and they're the only ones experiencing this right now because they're not outside of their bubble right now. So everyone needs to know that everyone is feeling this in their own unique way and that's okay. So if you need some help resolving some conflict, even if it's not divorce related, they can contact us at Keystone Mediation. There you go, right here. Yeah. You can also uh, find us at onlinedivorcemediators.com. Fantastic. And Leslie, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, well, Instagram, Facebook, Leslie Glazer. My website's leslieglazer.com. So that's probably- And of course you're on there one of our divorced realty pros. And um, <laughs> um, Megan, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? 
I'm basically train with Megan everywhere. So I have train with Megan and it's M-E-G-H-A-N because I'm Irish and H is the only way to spell it. Uh, <laughs> but I have an Instagram there, Facebook page where I post workouts and things like that that you can do. And then obviously train with Megan page and uh, you can message me there and split ready. There you go. <laughs> I keep getting it wrong. Um, I want to thank our guests. Uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time. This is such valuable information. For those Thanks. listening, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on uh, our YouTube channel. You can find us on um, Facebook. And we release our podcast on a regular basis. You can find us on the blog. So thanks very much. If you know of somebody that this can help, um, share it. You know, too often, Mariah and I hear... I can't listen to your podcast. I can't go to your website because I'm not getting divorced. Um, that or, what's that? Or people say, or people saying, "I wish I had known about the different services." That's from exactly right. Two years ago, or five years ago, I wish my sister had known. So our podcasts are free. Taking our split ready assessment to find out where you stand is free, but it gives you a great ability to know what's going on, and it gives you access to the entire split ready site to gain. Uh, access to all the prose biographies, um, as well as all of their information to reach out to them. Uh, other tools, you can ask questions on the forums of these great pros and other pros, and we're adding more stuff every day. So um, share and get the information out there. And with that, you want to take us out, Mariah? Sure. Uh, no. I don't have, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the piece of paper. The big clothes. It's going on the blooper reel. All right. <laughs> you, you want to get through your divorce with your sanity intact. That's it. Go to Split Ready. Get some information. I love that. This is good. This is why we do this live, you know, because it's fun. Um, <laughs> thanks so much. Look for, hopefully we won't have a COVID uh, quarantine volume three. Hopefully we'll be out and about uh, come May. <laughs> But look for our May show. And if anybody listening has any topics we want to cover or that you need information on, please feel free to reach out to us on our website uh, through the email, splitradio, splitradio.com, or the multiple other ways. Thanks so much and have a good one.